0: my lord and my god i firmly believe that you are here that you see me that you hear me i adore you with profound reverence i ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful my immaculate mother saint joseph my father and lord my guardian angel intercede for me many times jesus would say to the apostles Come and rest a while to get away from the crowd, come apart to a deserted place, and our Lord would dismiss the crowd, and then they would go to the desert or to the mountain or out on the lake. Here at Shelbourne, we don't have a mountain, we have a little lake, but not the same as the Lake of Genezareth. But what is the same, in fact exactly the same, is that here we are with Jesus Christ. He hasn't changed. And he has somehow called us here to come out of our busy lives and schedules to come and be with him and somehow you and i have answered that call to put our lives on pause perhaps and actually spend an entire weekend talking to him and listening to him this weekend is is kind of special in lent every Sunday of Lent, there is a theme, as you may have figured out if at Mass. And they're kind of longer gospels that we have read in the church, especially this year, because it is one of those years where we have cycle A of the readings at Mass. And this year, this weekend, we will read the church will read the resurrection of Lazarus. And therefore, I thought that our retreat could actually revolve around that that event, that historical event, because it's not a parable. It's an event that took place in Jesus' life and, and ministry, that actually got him such notoriety that he began to be persecuted with more intensity to the point that he was then crucified. There was a turning point after the resurrection of Lazarus. And what we will do through the meditations that we will have is follow Jesus as he himself experiences the death of his friend, now he cries for the death of his friend, and how he consoles Mary and Martha, and how he prays, and how he reacts. Because ultimately what we want to do is identify ourselves completely with the way Jesus thinks acts, decides, looks at people, prays to the Father. Everything that Christ does, we ought to do somehow. And so we jump right in, in Bethany, the little town where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. And we, in this first meditation, I want to take a flashback. To not when Lazarus is sick, but perhaps one of the first times that Jesus was invited to this household, the household of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, to come and eat and rest. Perhaps like ourselves here today, we come to a kind of Bethany, the tabernacle, as Saint Josemaria called. Every tabernacle It has to be Bethany, it has to be somewhere where Jesus is at home and especially the tabernacle of our souls in grace it has to be the same place, the same homey place where Jesus could rest and actually have a good time and spend time with friendship, leisure, quiet, contemplate. Even our Lord seeks that out. Well, what do we find in this household? We find two women, and Lazarus there as well. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, Now it came to pass that as they were on their journey that he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also seated herself at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. But Martha was busy about much serving and came up and said, Lord, is it no concern of yours that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, therefore, to help me. we We might think that Jesus would have told Mary, Mary, why don't you go help your sister? Take care of the kitchen and setting up and... And whatnot. But Jesus didn't say that. These two sisters in the history of the church, actually, have become two paradigms. One is Martha, the paradigm of the activist kind of life. The one that is worried and anxious about many things. And our Lord corrects her and says, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, yet only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken away from her. The other paradigm is Mary, the one who is at peace, quiet, in silence, who can listen to the word of God. And perhaps we ourselves have both a kind of Martha and Mary within. We have so many responsibilities. We have so many things in our mind right now, perhaps that you left undone at the office. Perhaps you're gonna get called to fix problems. And maybe even tonight, urgent things, who knows? Hopefully not. But the point is that at some point in our lives, we have to do what Mary does. And that is to contemplate the word of God and apply it to our lives. Martha, Martha, you know, here in Hebrew, whenever whenever in Hebrew, the Jews use two names or the name twice when they repeat the name. Martha, Martha, or Abraham, Abraham, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Or, you know, you get, kind of get the idea of, of a solemn call. Here is a call to Martha. Martha, pay attention. I am, I, God, I'm telling you something important about your identity, who you are. And you are anxious and troubled about many things. You know, this line of the gospel can very well apply to us, and we can probably hear the echo of our name coming from our Lord many times when we lose our peace or when we lose our presence of God because we have stopped really praying throughout our day. And that is exactly when we need to go back. And in fact, that's what we're doing here. We want to find out where our center is is it christ or is it something else what is the most important thing in my life what are those truths that as pope benedict used to say many times where are what are the performative truths in my life not just informative but performative meaning truths that do something in my life that change me that transform me that that renew me, that resurrect me, we could say, this weekend with Lazarus. It is this that we need to find, these truths, we need to find inside the word of God, inside the gospel. You know, at the end of of the passage of the resurrection of Lazarus, he will be resurrected, he will come out of the tomb upon hearing the word of God that calls him out, with his name, and he will be bound with all sorts of funeral cloths. And and Jesus will say, unfetter him, unbind him. And this is exactly what is so true of the word of God, that the word of God is not bound by anything. Somehow Lazarus becomes a living word, a witness to the word. And we too, recalling St. Paul, where he says when he was in prison himself, he was in chains. He says to Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was descended from David. This is my gospel in which I suffer even to bonds as a criminal. And then he adds, with great, a great sense of humor, I would say, because here he is in chains for the gospel. And he had been imprisoned five times, at least, I think. And he says, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. The word of God roams through, throughout. And how many times did Paul convert someone in prison because the word of God is not bound? So this, is, this is an extraordinary kind of uh, word. It's not any word. It's a performative word. It changes people. It changes lives. It, it sets us free. If you keep my word, you will be my disciples indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what we want to listen to. We want to be like Mary at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And for that, we want to get into the gospel, become one more character in the scene. You know, as uh, St. Josemaria says in one of the points of a posthumous work, actually, called The Forge. And we could take this advice throughout, and and perhaps uh, even before we go to bed tonight, or if you're too tired when you wake up in the morning, take up the passage of the resurrection of Lazarus, John chapter 11, and read it. When you open the Holy Gospel, think that what is written there, the words and deeds of Christ, and especially the ones we're going to consider this weekend, is something that you should not only know but live. Everything, every point that is told there has been gathered detail by detail, for you to make it come alive, especially this weekend, come alive, resurrected, in the individual circumstances of your life. Make it come alive. God has called us to follow him closely. In this holy writing, you will find the life of Jesus, but you will also find your own life there. See, the biography of Jesus is certainly written in the Gospel, but that's also our, our biography there. It's written there. They're kind of like notes in, in a score, in a music score. You know, They're written there. They're there. Now they have to be played out. Now they have to be played out, and each one of us plays those words out like notes in a different way. We, have, we each have our own interpretation of the life of Christ. We incarnate. Christ's life in a unique way that only we know how to incarnate. We respond in our unique way to God. And it's irrepeatable. Our yes to God is irrepeatable and, and unique. And, and it, it really makes Jesus mad of, for love to the point that he dies for each one of us individually. You too, like the apostle, will learn to ask full of love, St. Josemaria continues, Lord, what will you have me do? And in your soul you will hear the conclusive answer, the will of God. A lot of the times Jesus teaches in a very soft way. He teaches with parables. He teaches, I mean, every now and then he'll tell Peter, you know, Somebody like Peter, get behind me, Satan, and that's kind of rough and tumble. Maybe he has to tell us that every now and then too. But you know, if we're from I don't know New York or New Jersey, he may have to tell us that. But I hope nobody's from New York or New Jersey. Now. But if you know people from New York or New Jersey, you know what I'm talking about. But most of the time, Jesus actually doesn't doesn't um, I would say impose. He wants us to react so freely to his word. he wants us to make it our own. and so what he does most of the time, he asks, he asks questions of the apostles. I mean when the apostles, for instance, were talking about themselves, he says, what were you, by the way, what were you talking about along the way?" And the apostles, are like, oh, they're kind of silent you know because they were talking about who was the greatest?"." <laughs> kind of biting their tongue and putting, sticking their or taking their foot out of their mouth and Peter or Simon do you love me more than these? after denying our Lord three times Peter is asked by Jesus do you love me more than these three times? Well, what are you talking about and are sad? he asks the disciples at Emmaus who don't recognize them after the resurrection, and he sneaks up behind them. He meets them in their sadness. You know, this weekend, perhaps, we too want to let Jesus ask us those questions that, he, that we find in the Gospel. There's 130-some questions that he asks in the Gospel, and he never asks to find out himself. He knows everything. He's God. You're God, Lord. He asks why does he ask? To make us reflect, so that we reflect, not so that he learns something. He never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to already. He he wants us to make us reflect and actually conclude that we have to change, go deeper and you know i i highly suggest that that we entrust ourselves starting tonight perhaps as we go to bed saying aspirations to the holy spirit come holy spirit enlighten me enlighten my life show me my life maybe i am like scrooge and i have to you know see the the ghost of christmas past in my past life or whatever i don't know or or, like, um, I, don't know, I need to reflect and look back. Because I need a conversion. I need a resurrection this weekend. And just like in the liturgy, it says, Vatican II says that every time that we live the liturgy out, we make present the mystery that we are considering. Well, we too, this weekend, can resurrect. With Lazarus to a new life. And, and 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 the point is that we have to, we're going to spend four days here, you know, just like Lazarus spent four days in the tomb. Somehow we have to be it has to be like a seed that is buried, that is then that comes out in a new way, that is transformed. And that's the word of God, hopefully, in our hearts, because we have listened to it and we have let it transform us. And therefore. As we entrust ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that we can listen, so that we can hear Christ's voice within us as he wakes us up, that we use the human means that we have at our disposal in order to capture those moments, those inspirations, and and, I mean, I would say literally even, you know, you may want to have a notebook. Take notes down because the Holy Spirit can blow at any moment. And you know, you you may want to take the, take that down immediately, lest you forget it. Because the Holy Spirit whispers, and, and that's what we want to actually be attentive to, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, which you know he does not impose at all. He's very, very respectful of our of our inclined plane. He wants us to, to go up, to, make, to take a step, but within our possibilities. Not to, you know, challenging, but within our possibilities. He doesn't want to show us, perhaps, everything, just yet, but just little by little, one thing at a time, now here, now there, now be docile here, now, now give yourself to this person, listen to this one now. Laugh at that stupid joke so that you can make the guy feel better. You now, I mean, refined charity. You know, so many things like that. You know, now call your wife. Now pray for your daughter's exam. I don't know whatever. I mean, little things. And if we're docile to them, then he'll show us. There's a book called "About the Holy Spirit," written by. Um, actually a housewife she it 's the only book she ever wrote, and uh, it 's somewhere there in this shelf out here, but there she talks about how the Holy Spirit actually opens up a school within our soul, and the The school is the school of docility, and in this school it 's very unlike unlike any other school because if in any other school you don't do your homework, you get more homework and you get punished and you get a detention. Whereas in the school of the Holy Spirit, if you don't do the homework, the Holy Spirit doesn't give you any more homework and shuts the school down. Can you imagine your children? You know, I didn't do my homework, and then the school just shuts down. They'll be really happy. Yeah, we go to the beach. We can do. Well, the Holy Spirit shuts the school down if we don't do our homework. And... And to get the Holy Spirit to give us homework will take a long time. Will take a lot of effort. Will take a lot of convincing the Holy Spirit that we want to do the homework. It's a privilege to do the homework for the Holy Spirit. And it's those little inspirations that we get. If we're docile to them, we'll get more. And our eyes will be open to a new reality. We will reflect, as St. Paul says, the glory of the Lord as in a mirror our mirror, mirror of ourselves will be, will be better, will reflect the glory of the Lord, will reflect the image of Christ. And we will be an image of Christ to others. We will be living words. And that's really the, what we want to do this weekend, to ultimately listen to the Word of God so closely that we identify ourselves with his will, and we then live it out, put it into practice, so that others, too, can can come to know Christ through us. In uh, the play Julius Caesar by Shakespeare, he has a great line. When Cassius says to Brutus, there are, as you know, friends, quote-unquote, in, in, in this great uh, assassination that they both take part in, of Julius Caesar. And they, they are the traitors of Rome, even though they consider themselves the liberators of Rome. But Cassius says to Brutus at some point early on in the play, and since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection... I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know not of. Since you really can't know yourself that well, except by reflection. He says, I will be your glass, I will be your mirror. And I will modestly discover to yourself that which you don't know of yourself. Well, these words, I think, um, are very interesting because, you know, here on a retreat, you, you, you reflect on your life, and it's hard to know all those things, you know, because we all have kind of dragons within, and, you know, the attic of our soul sometimes is dark, and there's cobwebs there, and it's hard to know that. So one of the things that we can do this weekend is, is go to Confession. Let's so go to confession or spiritual direction or both and, and open up our soul. I highly recommend that you're free to do whatever you like so that we can get to know ourselves better and we can get a little bit of advice as to how, how to reflect the life of Christ better in, in, in our lives. And, you know, just like uh, Ananias finished the job with St. Paul's conversion, you know, Paul converted. With Jesus appearing to him on the way to Damascus, but Jesus didn't finish the job. He left them blind for a while, and then he had to go to this man Ananias, you know, who 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 was not exactly. We don't hear anything of him later on. I mean, his claim to fame is that he baptized Paul and he took the scales off his eyes. But we all need an Ananias, who is perhaps not a particularly you know brilliant person or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just. You know, he's there, placed by God, he's at the right time at the right place, and he can take the scales off our eyes and he can help us. And then Paul, you know, becomes the greatest apostle of the Gentiles. Well, we, we all need that. And, you know, definitely I would, I would encourage you to do that to go and seek advice in confession or in spiritual direction or both, to be that mirror where we can see ourselves. Well, ultimately, the mirror is our Lord himself. He's the one that reveals man to man, man to himself, as the Second Vatican Council says, and St. John Paul II repeated so many times. We have to always be Christ-centered. And that's what Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was. And that's what Martha ultimately became, because she became St. Martha. So she had to... to to realize that yes all her her activism had she continued to serve, but it was now focused on Christ and she had to rectify her intention as to why she was serving and that's that 's exactly what what we want to do this weekend well let us turn to jesus 's mother as we will always end our meditations as same as maria ended his meditations always with with the Blessed Virgin Mary. We turn to her because she is the model of a, the listener of the Word of God. She too, like the other Mary, she kept all these things in her heart. These things, the things of Christ, the things that Christ did and said in her heart. And because of that, she was able to actually be at the foot of the cross and not be spooked by it like the other, some of the other apostles except St. John And and we too will see behind the cross, behind contradictions, behind setbacks, behind things that perplex us, we will see the resurrection. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father, and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.